0: Hi, this is Duncan Ross with another edition of Words of Hope from North Shore Church. I want to talk with you today about the deep pain and even despair that many evangelical believers are feeling in the aftermath of the Georgia elections and the chaos that has marked the presidential election that, like it or not, is finally finding some resolution. First, let me qualify this by telling you that my purpose is not to give political commentary. In the first place, I'm not qualified to give that, and second, pastors who do regularly give their political views can easily be co-opted by the political establishment. My task is to speak into hearts that are today filled with much anxiety and no small amount of grief. Many believers have, rightly or wrongly, interpreted recent political realities as signaling a destructive and possibly irreversible step toward our nation's self-inflicted demise. Many believers are shaken to the core by the notion that the country that they have loved all their lives seems to be on a path rapidly leading it to becoming an unrecognizable and horribly distorted version of the one that we love. The word for what so many people are feeling today is disillusionment. To be disillusioned literally means to be awakened to the fact that what we had believed, in fact, what we were sure of, was in fact an illusion. Right or wrong, for some people, the reality of free and fair elections in our country has been revealed as an illusion. For others, the rule of law has been revealed to be an illusion. Many Americans have been living under what is now revealed as an illusion that America will never turn toward socialism. Again, I'm not commenting on whether these things are true. I'm speaking to the pain that many believers genuinely feel from severe disillusionment. On a spectrum of emotional pain, disillusionment surely has to be near the top It's not in the same class as someone personally betraying you, perhaps, but it's very close. One of the great dangers for those who have been disillusioned is that they'll become a cynical, negative person. Because they've seen how wrong they were about their strongly held previous assumptions, they inwardly begin to feel insecure about believing in anything too strongly. So they refuse to place any hope in anything for fear of feeling this profound sense of disappointment and disillusionment again. So how do we get over this tremendous pain of disillusionment? I want to use a metaphor of Francis Schaeffer to help explain. Now, Schaeffer used this metaphor to describe something different than I'm doing, and he used it negatively. But I want to use it as an illustration of how we can cope with disillusionment. Here it is. Think of the Christian life as a house with two floors. On the ground floor is the area of our sensory experience. That is, these are the things, the events, the people, the circumstances that we can see, hear, feel, touch, smell, and taste. This is the material reality of our lives. Elections that are badly executed, and the results of which will bring about rapid decline into moral and political decay. This first floor is the story of our house that experiences pain and frustration. The first floor is the level of anxiety and anger and disillusionment and a sense of hopelessness. My observation, for whatever it's worth, is that too many evangelicals during these difficult days are living almost full time on the first floor of their lives. They fight against their despair but sooner or later, often sooner, they settle back into the depressing reality of a world they fear that soon they won't even recognize. They fear for their kids and their grandkids on this level of their lives. They grieve for the death of so many of their dreams for the future, for them and for others they love. This is the level where we think to ourselves things like, this can't be happening, or this can't be true. Okay. That's a sure sign of disillusionment because it reveals that we haven't yet fully accepted the fact that we have, for a long time, been believing in something that wasn't real. The good news is that believers have a second floor to the reality of their lives. This second floor is even more real than the first story, but you only can access it, this second floor, by faith believing what God says about your reality. There is no pain or disillusionment on the second floor. When Christians are living second-floor lives, their disillusionment is replaced by hope and even joy, and it doesn't matter what is going on on the first floor. Second-floor believers are living above the level of this material world. They're seeing things from God's perspective. On the second floor... The believer is not influenced by his or her feelings or their self-deceived notions of reality that lead to disillusionment. No, the guiding influence on the second floor is truth. So let's move up to the second floor for a few moments and think about four truths that will enable you, in the midst of these admittedly painful times, to experience hope and joy. Truth number one, is that God is sovereign over our political processes, and his purposes cannot, cannot be thwarted. Whatever you think about our incoming president, never forget, kings outrank presidents. And as believers, our king is the king of the universe. It's impossible for his purposes for me, my family, my nation, my world, to not fulfill the purpose he has for it, which is ultimately his glory. God will be glorified through our current travails. As it relates to us, Romans 8.28 rules on the second floor. That is, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It's important for us to remember that when God promises that he works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, that includes election irregularities or anything else that is troubling to us at the moment. Daniel chapter 2 is one of many texts in the Bible that promise that it is God who sets up rulers, who sets up presidents. Ultimately, authority does not reside in the people, as we believe in a democracy. The Bible teaches that authority to govern comes from God Himself. Verse 20 in Daniel 2 says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. On the first floor, You may believe that our new president got into office illegitimately, and from a first floor perspective, may be true. Again, not my point. But the second floor truth is that God uses whatever circumstances that are in play, even politically corrupt ones in an election, to place in office his person for his predetermined purposes. And that leads us to another second floor guiding truth, and that is, The fact that we don't understand how God is working is not something that we should fret about. If we know the scriptures at all, we shouldn't be surprised by the fact that we don't understand how God could be at work through what we perceive to be horrible developments. God says in Isaiah 55, "'For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways,' declares the Lord. "'For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways,' and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, that's pretty clear. God doesn't think the way we think. He doesn't act the way we act, even in our best moments. And the difference between how God thinks and acts and how we think and act is infinite. The distance between the heavens and the earth. Let me ask you, do you suppose that in that infinite expanse, between how God thinks and acts and how we think and act, that there's room somewhere for God to work for our good by putting people in office who we may think are incompetent or even evil. I think there's probably room up there for him to do that. A believer living on the first floor of reality is bound to become frustrated when seemingly awful developments occur. First floor people process awful developments this way. I don't like this, this is stupid. It's evil, it's unfair, it's unjust, it's corrupt. And I know this is going to bring about horrible consequences, therefore I am frustrated and angry. Okay, other than finding ways to escape that reality, that's the only option first floor dwellers have, because there's no faith, there's no eternal truth, no reason for hope. But residing on the second floor is an infinitely wise God who, because he is so far above us, is bound to do things that we do not and cannot understand. Another second floor truth is remember the five minute rule. Most people have heard of the ten second rule, or I'm going to say the five second rule. That is, if a potato chip or whatever, falls to the ground, it remains viable without fear of contamination for human consumption for five seconds. I can't vouch for the shaky biology behind that rule, but it makes us feel better about eating something off the floor. The five-minute rule is, however, absolutely truthful and is a huge piece of what it is to be a second-floor dweller. The five-minute rule is about having and maintaining an eternal perspective. We could state it this way. When you're troubled about something, ask yourself, how important will this be to me five minutes after my heart stops? We can get so worked up over things on the first floor because that floor is only the here and now reality. It's what we can see, feel, taste, experience now. But on the second floor, life is lived with this five-minute filter. Assuming a worst-case scenario for our current situation, ask yourself, how much will a socialistic, morally degenerate, corrupt nation mean to you five minutes after your heart stops? And the truth is, it won't even register. The only thing that will matter to you in that moment is where you are with Jesus Christ. Climbing from the first floor to the second floor in the midst of this and any stressful time is essential if we're to find hope and joy. A final second floor truth is because God has already done his absolute best for us, we are assured he will bring good to us out of this current dilemma. Some of you know that's just a paraphrase of Romans 8:32. Paul reminds us but he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things that means that we don't have to wonder whether or not god will give us all the things we need to flourish in him even in the midst of our american political upheaval we know he will because he's already done something so much more difficult and sacrificial He took the second person of the Trinity, the infinite, eternal Son of God, and sacrificed him as a bloodied mass on Calvary's cross, wearing my sin, bearing my wrath. It's impossible to imagine God doing anything more than that for us. And because he has indeed done that, then whatever we need from him in the midst of our current trial, a sure thing, The point to all of this is this. If you find yourself anxious, angry, frustrated, frightened, hopeless, and disillusioned, if you're a believer, the problem is not with what is happening in our political system. The problem is that you are choosing to process all of this chaos and trouble on only the first floor of your life, and you cannot possibly get over your negative feelings there. And living on the first floor isn't just foolish. It's sinful. We all need to repent of this because Paul tells us in Romans 14, 23, that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And those who live first floor lives do not walk by faith. They walk only by sight. If you're feeling horrible about the situation we currently face as a nation, it's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. This is not pollyanna Some terrible things have happened. But if you live in that place of mourning and grief, your disillusionment may very well make you cynical and even bitter. And that is no way for a follower of Christ to be. The good news is that many evangelicals will, by God's grace, come out of this in a few days and will be better for it because they're no longer living with the illusion that this world is our home and is a really good place. The truth that will set you free is that this world is not our home, and it is often a really bad place, and that includes America. But that's okay, because we can access our real home, our future home, anytime we want by just walking up to the second floor and allowing the truth of Scripture, not what is on the evening news, to guide our response to this fallen world. May God give us the grace to be second-floor believers for His honor and our joy. Amen.